Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Monday, September 20th edition of the Basement Academy. It is great to welcome you as we begin a new week together. We will begin a new season together. Uh, the autumn season, fall, is upon us. And may this be a refreshing and fruitful season for us individually, in our homes, as, as God's people, as a church. Uh, this autumn season, may it be fruitful. May there be harvest. May the things we're talking about, studying here, Sunday mornings in our, our ministry at Greenwich and all that we're about, and in your work, may there be a, a fruitfulness and reflection and, and a rest uh, as we head into the, uh, the, the, the back half of the, the year. Uh, let's begin with a morning psalm. Psalm 80. It's a little longish, um, and it's not a psalm of David, interestingly. It's a psalm of Asaph, and it's to be sung to the tune of the lilies of the covenant, whatever that tune sounded like. It's in the context of Israel's struggle, and listen for this refrain about God restoring his people. Hear us, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. You who sit enthroned between the cherubim shine forth. Before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh, awaken your might. Come and save us. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. O Lord God Almighty, how long will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us a source of contention to our neighbors and our enemies mock us. Restore us, O God Almighty. Make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its boughs to the sea, it shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down its walls, so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Boars from the forest ravage it, and the creatures of the field feed on it. Return to us, O God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine, the root your right hand has planted, the sun you have raised up for yourself. Your vine is cut down, it is burned with fire. At your rebuke, your people perish. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us, and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine upon us, that we may be saved. On Friday, we read Psalm 137, sitting by the rivers of Babylon, weeping there, this context of the exile. This is the same language, the same image. God planted this root, and so this vine, okay, it spread and it grew, and so it's the image of Israel as the vine. Isaiah has that language. Jesus picks up on it in the New Testament. I am the vine, you are the branches. And so God watching over this and bearing fruit and Israel's growing and then all of a sudden the vine is cut down 
and they're taken into exile, the source of contention to their neighbors. And so people come against Israel and carry them away. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine upon us, remembering that blessing um, that, that Moses spoke back in the book of Numbers. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. And so this is the context, this psalm is in the context of Israel's suffering. And this language, I've got it on the whiteboard, you have fed them with the bread of tears. Ooh, what a poetic phrase. You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. It's like, oh my goodness. All we have to feed upon is our weeping, is our loss, is our brokenness. An important backdrop to what we want to talk about today as we continue on with if critical race theory is not the answer to injustice and, and this racial division, then what is? Okay. Um, we, we landed on Friday with this notion, you know, praying thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What do we mean by that? That God's alternative society, God's alternative kingdom to the kingdoms of this world would come and grow and expand and increase. We know this as the church. A kingdom of people joined not together by their tribe, by their skin color, by their race, by their ethnicity, by their language. Uh, uh, this is now an alternative society joined not together by tribe, but by faith in Jesus Christ. The one who purchased men for God from every people and language and, and, and tribe and nation. And so... God is building an alternative society. And so what that means then is we live, as it were, as exiles and strangers, that this is not our home. And so there's some language that I want to read from the New Testament in the book of Hebrews, uh, the 11th chapter. Uh, this is the chapter that has a lot of examples of faith, Okay. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And so here the writer of Hebrews is recalling the Abraham story from centuries earlier. God said to Abram, leave your father's home, go to the land I will show you. Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless all peoples through you. So the chosen family and the promised land. So that's where these ideas come from. And so Abram gets himself to what we know as Israel. But he was living there as a stranger, as a foreigner, though it was his inheritance that was promised to him and to his descendants forever. He, he, didn't, he wasn't at home there. He lived in tents. It wasn't a permanent home. And so he was looking forward to a city with foundations. And so there's this language of being the stranger, the foreigner, even in your own land that, that belongs to you because there's actually some other place that God intends. And it picks up again in verse 13. All these people, referring to Abraham's family, 
All these people were still, were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So Abraham is held up as the exemplar of faith, and we are called to be Abraham's children. We are Abraham's children by faith. We are the children of promise. If you are a Gentile believer, then you are a, a, a child of, of, of promise, as it were, child of Abraham by promise. And so similarly, this is not our home. As comfortable as I may be in my own home, in my, in my town of Haymarket and Greenwich Church and this surrounding Northern Virginia area, and I love the United States and all of that stuff, this is not our home. There is no lasting city here. This is temporary. We are looking for a heavenly country. And so we are in the world, but not of the world, right? <laughs> and so we live as strangers. We live as exiles in this world. Uh, James uh, picks up on this, just the next book over. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. And then he goes on, consider it pure joy when you encounter trials of many kinds. And so James writes to the early church using some language of Israel, these tribes, these 12 tribes. Well, that's it's metaphoric language. It's, it's figurative language. He's speaking to the Christian community in the language of this Abrahamic living as a foreigner. Even though you've had a land promised to you, it's really not ultimately your home. Uh, Peter uses similar language in his first letter, 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, the chosen, that's the language of Israel, right? To God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, and then it goes on from there. So, so here Peter names actually some of the physical places that they're scattered. Hebrews Lifting up Abraham is the example of faith, how we are to live this same way. Here we have no lasting city. James, you are scattered. Um, uh, Peter, you are exiles. Uh, Peter goes on in the second chapter. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So Peter takes it further, says not only are you like in the world but not of the world, you need to now actively abstain from those desires that the world is bringing your way. The kingdoms of this world live according to different values, different norms, different standards. Boy, do we see that happening now in our own society. 
with all the cultural tsunami and critical race theory and gender identity and identity politics and the pursuit of money and fame and pleasure and all of that stuff that seems to animate our culture, though there are these wonderful foundations within our founding documents. I've got my constitution somewhere here. We talked about last week. There's clearly a tension, okay? So critical race theory, I would offer, belongs to the kingdom of this world. It is not born of the spirit. It is not born of the truth of God. And so we need to live in tension with all of that. Now, as exiles, as strangers, I always love to bring us back to Jeremiah chapter 29. Now, <clears throat> so I've got a lot going on here. I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you. It's, it's adopting the mindset that we are actually foreigners and strangers here. A lot of Christians don't live that way. In fact, a lot of Christians turn this around. They try to make this home this nation, this land into a place where they will feel comfortable. So I want to make America into something I want it to be so that I will feel comfortable. No. <laughs> the, thy kingdom come, thy will be done isn't let's make the kingdoms of this earth into the church. That will never happen. That is not God's intention. God is building an alternative society that transcends the societies of this world, okay? So everybody holds dual citizenship. We've talked about that. So I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I'm a citizen of the United States of America. But a Christian over in Great Britain and a Christian in Pakistan and a Christian in, in Zimbabwe and a Christian in Venezuela, they are citizens of the kingdom of heaven with us, with me, but they hold citizenship in a different nation. Okay. So every Christian everywhere is in the world, but not of the world. And so every Christian has to live distinct from their own culture while also being in that culture. And so when thinking as exiles, I'd love to listen to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, he was the, the court pastor, as it were, the prophet when Israel, uh, when Jerusalem was destroyed in 586 BC by the Babylonians. And so uh, the, the Babylonians are carrying God's people, think Daniel and his friends, carrying them off to Babylon. And there were other prophets and diviners and holy people who were saying, ah, this isn't going to last. We'll be back home before you know it. And God instructs Jeremiah to write this letter. And so let me read a portion of it. Jeremiah chapter 29, beginning verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord God Almighty says. 
Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I'll stop there. <clears throat> it's a wonderful letter. You should, should read the whole chapter. So what's going on here? <clears throat> Okay, so we're listening to the letter of Jeremiah to the exiles. We are not Babylonian exiles. We live in America, not Babylon. We are not Israel in 586 BC. So there's some distinction. But there's wisdom that we can glean, particularly when we match this with Hebrews and James and Peter. Paul writes about our commonwealth uh, being in, in heaven, our citizenship in heaven. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. But then he goes, so that's with Pilate. <clears throat> but he prays also that, Father, do not take them out of the world, but keep them from the world. So we live in tension. Christians should always feel some not-at-homeness, okay? Our struggle is we're always trying to make this place into our home. Here we have no lasting city. So we're living as exiles. We're living as strangers. Our values are not the values of America, uh, the American culture and society, particularly in these days when all this cultural tsunami that, that's washing over us. But Jeremiah says to the exiles, seek the peace of the city to which I've carried you. Pray to the Lord for it. For if it prospers, you will prosper. That can sound a little confusing. Okay, so I'm not supposed to be part of the world, but then I'm supposed to seek the peace of the world. I'm not supposed to be part of the culture, but I'm supposed to seek the peace of the culture. I'm supposed to be different from it, but I'm supposed to pray for it. Yep. That's exactly it. <laughs> that is exactly it. Well, yeah, well, that, that sounds hard and confusing. And yep, it does, doesn't it? And let's just remember that it was Babylon. It was a pagan society, false gods, um, idolatrous worship. The values of Babylon were not the values of the kingdom of God. They were not the values of Israel, okay? The Babylonians didn't have the scriptures. The Babylonians didn't have the law of Moses. And so you live distinct according to the truth of God, and yet this is where you are. You're working amongst, shopping amongst, playing amongst other people who do not share the values and truths, who do not understand who God is, might have an alternative understanding and might actually aggressively work against <laughs> the values that you espouse. Absolutely. The Babylonians carried them into exile. So the Babylonians and Israelites were opposed to each other. Okay. I, I don't think... I don't think I like this, Don. This, this kind of is confusing to me. Yeah. Because here's the challenge. We are called to live distinct from the culture. Do not love the world or the things of the world, uh, uh, First John writes. Do not love the world or the things of the world. And so, uh, Peter, abstain from those sinful desires that wage war against your soul. 
There are things that our world offers or things that our American culture offers to us that tantalizes us with, that tempts us with. Sometimes it's ways of thinking. Sometimes it's ways of being and acting, indulgences, okay? And so we are to live distinct from our culture while at the same time seeking the peace of the culture. I don't know if I can get my head around that, you're thinking. <clears throat> and that's the tension. And so often the way we try to resolve the tension is either we run completely away from the culture, let's just silo up and let's just, let's just kind of run to the monastery, so to speak, or maybe like the Amish or others, we pull away to alternative communities. And there is much to be commended in that, right? Israel themselves kind of formed some... some um, protections um, uh, for their community, marry inside the, the, the community, as it were, and the like. So one tendency is to want to run away and just completely withdraw from society. The other is to try to transform society to kind of accommodate and adapt to the society in such a way. And, and there's tension there, Okay. Because we work and play and shop and, 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 and eat with and we're out and about with people who don't think always the way we do about these things. And the challenge is sometimes, and this is what's happening with critical race theory as it's come to the church and, and not only our denomination but others, to say, oh, well, critical race theory cares about racial injustice and racial division. I care about those things too as a Christian. Maybe I'll just get on board with critical race theory. Don't do it. And so we must reject critical race theory while also advocating for and confronting the realities of, of racial injustice. Those who are drinking tears by the bowlful, who are being fed with the bread of tears, who, who, who suffer, we, we, we care about that and so we draw near. So, so we live in this tension of rejecting critical race theory as an explanatory model and an ethical framework. We reject that completely while also being concerned about and confronting the racial divisions of our society and other injustices in our society. Yeah, that's hard. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just because it's hard doesn't mean... God's not in it, right? Just because it's hard doesn't mean we shouldn't be about it. In fact, I would argue that sometimes the hard is usually the clue that we should be about it, right? But as humans, we tend to want to take the easy, right? Instead of, instead of the hard. And so we pursue a godly justice, not a worldly justice. We understand justice as being in conformity to the will and purposes of God, not to the will and purposes of our culture. See, critical race theory advocates a form of justice that is not true. It is not godly because uh, critical race theory says only one kind of person are bad and wrong and need to change. People who have a certain color skin. And so critical race theory obviously is wrong. It must be rejected. It is not based upon the truth. Because the truth is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so is racism a part of our world and part of our lives? And do white people engage in racist acts and, and behavior and thinking? Absolutely. And so does everybody else. 
And so these are complex issues. These are not, critical race theory makes it so, so simple. If all the white folk would just stop doing this, everybody else could get along and, and, and have you know, their, their fair share of the pie. Friends, it is not that easy. We live in a deeply complex and broken and sinful world with layers of sin upon sin and generational sin. And so we pursue godly justice that is shaped by an understanding of the human condition by these scriptures. And we lift up part of, we're going to talk about this in the coming, uh, coming days here this week, part of what our solution that we offer to the world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be reconciled to God. Become part of this alternative community that does not judge according to tribe, according to language, according to skin color. That we treat each other with dignity and respect as sisters and brothers of, of, of Christ. And uh, we're, we're children of God together. And we have all knelt before the foot of the cross and we've cried out, my God, my God, uh, bless me, save me, uh, restore me, make your face shine upon me, to use the language of uh, the psalm here. And so that's the tension. How we pursue justice in this world when the world says, no, justice is this, and, and we're at cross purposes often. And that's hard. And we don't like it. And so it's not that we're trying to remake America into the church. It's that we recognize God is doing a new thing. He is building an alternative to society. And we now live in, but not of. So we're going to talk more about that this week. Today's idea is just to get the exiles. We're the children of Abraham. Here's where we live, but ultimately we're looking for uh, a heavenly country. And so we'll talk more about this and how to live more faithfully and, and to pursue justice. Uh, we'll do this next couple of days. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the truths that we find in your word that guide us and shape us. Be with us as we live in this tension in the world, but not of it, distinct from the culture, but yet seeking its peace and prosperity. Help us to do this well. And so we do pray for our nation. We pray for our state. We pray for our communities. We pray for those who have decision-making responsibilities at so many levels. These who do not share the faith that we embrace in Christ. And so may our nation prosper and may our cities prosper. May our communities prosper. And we pray that you would help us to be a part of the solution of, of bringing an end to injustice and violence and discrimination and help us to be more faithful witnesses inviting people into this new community that judges not by skin color or, or, or by tribe. And so, Father, bless us to that end as we lean in to our lives this week and we lean into these studies this week, praying in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray together, saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God bless you to this end. May God restore you in body, mind, and spirit. May he make his face to shine upon you that you may be saved now and forevermore. Amen.